Please, thank you. Very good job. And I appreciate uh, those that work so diligently in the music, and uh, that is such a blessing. I enjoy the music here at Valley Bible Baptist. Thank you. First Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to start a couple of verses at the beginning of the chapter, if you'll stand with me. As we read together a few verses and uh, you pray in your heart to hear tonight that God's way would be done here. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll start here in verse number 1, where Paul says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And let me state here that that is very important. So we can follow somebody only as they follow Christ. Uh, but Paul is able to express, follow me as I follow Christ. And then verse number two, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things. But notice this statement here, and keep the ordinances, keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Now we skip over to verse number 23, a section that we've read recently several times here. And we're going to be in this section here this evening, beginning at verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also... I delivered unto you, and uh, we made the statement uh, previously as we looked at that verse, that these directions for the Lord's Supper are from the Lord. And Paul says, I've received these instructions from the Lord, and what I've received from the Lord, I delivered them to you. This is the inspired word of God. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it, and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. The young lady sang about this this evening. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged." But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. With that, uh, we, we're going to examine the ordinance of the Lord's Supper this evening and uh, review just a bit of what we covered last uh, Sunday evening. And then uh, just use this as a time to prepare our hearts for what will take place here on Tuesday night. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord here this evening in prayer. Father, we thank you. Uh, just been so good to be in this place all day today. You've been gracious to us and through our Sunday school hour this morning and through the church service this morning. And Lord, thank you for the uh, recent salvations and your workings in hearts and lives of people. And Lord, I thank you for this evening, this uh, privilege already we've had and you've met with us and already been so good to us here. And now as your word is opened, Lord, would you be our teacher? And Lord, we know you're here. Uh, we need you to guide us. We need you to prepare us. Lord, we need you to show things in our life that need to be amended and made right. And uh, Lord, have your way, we pray. We give you this time. We give you this service and we'll give you honor in it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. And you may be seated this evening. Now, we mentioned here, as we read in, in verse number two, and as a church, a Valley Bible Baptist Church, we are exhorted to keep the ordinances, and as Paul said, as I delivered them to you. We've seen previously that an ordinance is an observance of a scriptural truth. It's a picture, it's a type, it's not a sacrament. So when we observe the ordinance of baptism, uh, we are not doing that in order to gain salvation. Salvation has already been purchased and gained and freely received by the grace of God. And baptism simply pictures that, uh, that, uh, that testimony of salvation. It pictures the death, the burial, resurrection of Christ. It pictures that in Christ we've died to our old life. We're buried with Christ and we're raised to walk in a new life. And so the picture is given. Uh, likewise, with the, uh, with the ordinance of, of the Lord's Supper, uh, it's a picture. Uh, there are some that teach that through the Lord's Supper, we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That would be to re-sacrifice the Lord. We know and believe that Jesus died once and for all, and that the one death upon the cross of Calvary was sufficient uh, to pay for our sin. I'm so thankful that salvation is God's gift it's all of grace. We did not earn it or deserve it. We simply received that gift. And then in receiving that gift, it's not us that holds it or keeps it. It's the power of God. As Paul the Apostle expressed, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And it's the Lord uh, that keeps that salvation with us. Now, we've already examined in the past some biblical truths. Uh, these are local church ordinances. They're entrusted to the care of the local church. Uh, I uh, believe that baptism is done under the authority of a local church. And there are some that maybe would go out and they would baptize their own family. And I don't believe that's biblical. I believe that baptism is under the authority of a local church. And likewise, I believe that uh, the Lord's Supper is under the authority of the Lord's, uh, of the Lord's local church. Uh, the, the Lord's Supper is not observed in our home by ourselves, but it is observed here as a local church, as a local church body, as we meet together, uh, come together. They're given to us uh, to continue the purity of the local church. And we believe baptism guards the entrance into the church. We believe that salvation is God's gift. And following salvation, uh, one should be scripturally baptized. And according to Acts chapter 2, with that baptism, they were added unto them or added to that local church. And baptism will protect the doctrine of the local church. Uh, the Lord's Supper ensures the ongoing purity of the local church, and we're going to see some of that here this evening and why it becomes such an important event in the life of a local church. Now, we believe tonight that God desires all to be saved. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, those that are saved then are commanded to be biblically, scripturally baptized. Uh, we mentioned Acts 2, 40, 41. Uh, they that gladly received his word were baptized in the same, the same day, and they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So those saved on the day of Pentecost obeyed their Lord, and they followed the Lord in scriptural baptism. They were added to that church in Jerusalem. Uh, then after baptism, the members of a local church are commanded to observe the Lord's Supper in the setting of that local church. And that's what we'll be doing here at Valley Bible Baptist Church on Tuesday night. 
Now let's look here, a couple of uh, thoughts here, and uh, kind of reviewing last week, and we see with the Lord's Supper, there's, there's a look back. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, Paul says, For I have received of the Lord, this is God's directions, uh, it's not our choice, but what God directs, we're to be obedient unto the Lord, I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, when he had given thanks, he brake it, said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. And notice the statement, he said, This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup, which he, when he had stopped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. So as we come together on Tuesday night, we're considering the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're looking back, and we gave scripture uh, last Sunday night, uh, asking you to review these scriptures in your homes and with your family, and looking to the broken body of the Lord, and how the Lord went to the cross, and all that he suffered on behalf of our sin, how he was made to be sin for us, though he knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He purchased uh, very clearly in the Bible, our redemption, our salvation. Uh, we're also remembering the shed blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so it was necessary that Christ go to the cross, that he shed his blood. Now, we do not re-sacrifice Christ. He died once for all. His sacrifice, his one sacrifice, was sufficient and he's able through that one sacrifice to save us unto the uttermost, and that is Hebrews 7 and verse number 25. So as we observe the Lord's Supper on Tuesday night, we're going back in time. We're considering what the Lord did for us. We're remembering what he did. And we spoke uh, last Sunday night that that keeps us humble. Uh, we recognize it was not our own means of gaining salvation. We have nothing of which to boast. We can boast that we are sinners, though that's not worthy of boasting, but we're sinners and we can boast that he purchased our salvation. Keeps us humble. It keeps us grateful. We ought to be forever thankful, forever grateful, never taking for granted the gift and the price that was paid for us. But it also ought to keep us focused when we recognize what he did for us. Out of a grateful heart, we ought to serve Jesus Christ from the very depths of our heart in gratefulness, not to gain salvation, but because of salvation. We recognize that our service to the Lord is the fruit of salvation, not the root of salvation. Salvation is the root, and the works become the fruit of that salvation. I'm convinced that biblically, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Uh, the Lord begins a work within the heart. The Lord begins to produce the life of Christ out of the life of a true child of God. As Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's our salvation, and that salvation is then worked out of our life and should be from a grateful, humble, thankful heart to Jesus Christ. That's the look back. Now, I, I want to examine here, if you look with me in verse number 27, there's a look within, and it reads, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Then we read in verse 28, But let a man examine himself. This is the look within. 
And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Now, verse 27, the statement, unworthily. Uh, the Corinthians had taken lightly the Lord's Supper, and it's evident as you read through this chapter and you read through the entire book of 1 Corinthians, there were some real po problems within the church. And it's evident that the Corinthians had not dealt with those problems. They were unwilling to deal with sin. As they came together to observe the Lord's Supper, uh, they were doing so without examining themselves or allowing the Holy Spirit to search their hearts. And the result we see in verse number 29. And it states, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. We recognize, uh, of course, that uh, to be worthy we must be born again. Uh, it is only through the new birth of the Lord Jesus that we, are or that we are worthy. It's through his righteousness, not ours. And then he states, Because they had not dealt with sin for this cause, Many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And the Lord uh, was forced to discipline their, uh, that church because they would not judge themselves. They would not deal with sin in their life, and therefore God disciplined them. Now God encourages us as we come together to observe the Lord's Supper to examine ourselves. Uh, as he says here, let a man examine himself. Uh, what does that mean? Well, is there any unconfessed sin? Is there unrepented sin in our life? Are there things in my life that I have been unwilling to deal with? Is there known rebellion to God and to God's will for my life? Am I right with God? Am I right with my fellow brother and sister in Christ? Are there corners of my heart and of my life that I am hiding from God that I have not been willing to deal with? You'll find throughout the scripture this exhortation that we are to deal with sin. Sin has a high price tag. Proverbs 28 verse 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but he that confesseth or whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. There's a strong warning in the Bible that if we cover our sin, hide our sin, uh, there would be consequences, but if we would confess our sin, forsake the sin, uh, the Lord would show and have mercy upon us. The Lord's Supper gives us that opportunity to do so. Psalm 66, 18, the psalmist expressed, if I regard, that means if I, if I make provision for sin in my heart, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And as he expressed in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. According to the Bible, unconfessed sin will keep us from being heard in our prayer life before the Lord. It closes the windows of heaven. Uh, Psalm 139, this is the heart of the psalmist in verses 23 and 24. Uh, he prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And that was the heart of the psalmist and his desire was to be right and pure before God. And so he asked the Lord to search him and that ought to be the attitude with which we come 
to the Lord's Supper. Lord, search me, know my heart. And uh, God knows everything. There's nothing, by the way, hidden from God. Uh, though we think sometimes we're pulling one over on the Lord, and that's the most foolish thing we can ever uh, accomplish and never will pull anything over on God. He knows all about it. Uh, you can deceive your parents and you can deceive your pastor, but you cannot deceive God. He knows your heart and he knows every detail of your heart. I like 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive, our, forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that is so very important. You see, not only does the Lord forgive, uh, but the Lord cleanses, the Lord changes, and he has the power to do that. In 1 John chapter 2, verse number 1, my little children, uh, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But then he states, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And I've always liked that word advocate. It's like a lawyer. And it's like saying to Satan, Satan, you go see my lawyer. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's paid the debt. And he's our advocate. He's our lawyer before the throne of God. Now, just a couple of helpful thoughts tonight. These are thoughts and questions that I've been asked, but they're thoughts that have helped me through the years. You ever have this thought, but I feel so unworthy? You see, sometimes as we begin to look within, we recognize what a mess we are. And uh, that is so much the case for every one of us. In reality, tonight, every single one of us are unworthy. In and of ourselves, when we look within, it becomes so evident. The closer, really, we come to Christ, and you'll find in your walk with the Lord, the closer you come to the Lord, the further you'll realize you are. And the closer you come into the presence of the Lord, the more you recognize you're a sinful being. And the more you begin to understand that He is holy, holy, holy. You'll find throughout the Word of God that uh, those that entered the presence of God were unworthy. And they often fell upon their faces before the Lord as dead. We're sinful beings. We're sinful to the very core of our lives. And our worthiness tonight is not of ourselves. We're none of us deserving of the gift of salvation. It's God's gift. We did not earn it. We did not deserve it. We did not purchase it. He bought it and paid for it. And he paid for the price in full. Now, if you will keep your place here, 1 Corinthians 11... I want to share with you a scripture, if you go with me, to Romans uh, chapter number 7. And, and you can see this thought working in the heart of Paul the Apostle. I think this scripture will give us a lot of help here tonight with this thought. But Lord, I, I feel so unworthy. And that's the thought in the heart of Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 7. If you pick up here in the middle of the chapter, verse number 14, Romans 7 verse 14 Paul writes, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. He's describing his life sold under sin. Now this is saved Paul expressing that. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Any of you have that struggle? You ever find yourself uh, not wanting to do something and doing it, or wanting to do something and not doing it? You ever find yourself in that state when the alarm goes off early in the morning and you're not ready to get up in the morning and you're fighting that old flesh? He says, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good, that now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. 
For I know, and here is a statement that we can all latch onto and understand. I know, Paul says, that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. I, I want to do some things sometimes, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. How many of you understand what Paul's expressing there? You understand that flesh, and in yourself there is no good thing, and you understand you are a sinful being. Notice how Paul concluded this thought. If you go to verse 24, Paul said, O wretched man that I am, and that would be the heart of each of us, uh, who shall deliver me from the body of death? But notice how Paul concludes this. I thank God through Christ, or Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Uh, here Paul is expressing, I am unworthy. But really the thought is this, that through Christ I am forgiven. Uh, every one of us battled the flesh every day. But every one of us, if we're saved, we have an advocate, we have a lawyer. Satan is an accuser, and he constantly, before the throne, accuses us before our God day and night. Uh, but we have overcome him through the blood of the Lamb and through the word of our testimony according to the word of God. And as Paul later described and expressed, I am crucified with Christ. I died to me. Yes, I am a sinful being and I battle my flesh day by day, but I've died to me. I'm crucified with Christ. And if you were to go back to Romans chapter 6, Paul is expressing that law of the flesh and the law of the spirit. And it's impossible for you in your flesh to please God. And that's where we're to walk in the power of the spirit and to be filled constantly with the spirit of God. And it is Christ that must live the life of the Christian through us. Now, I think sometimes uh, we, we come to this place of feeling of utter failure, and we are, uh, but in Christ, we're not. And I'm so thankful that he understands and he knows us, and he knows us, and he's gracious and merciful with us. Uh, our worthiness is not of me, but it does, is of him. Somebody might say tonight, but um, I'm struggling with sin. Uh, it's one of the reasons for the Lord's Supper, do you realize? Uh, that's why we have this time of remembrance. It's because we all struggle with sin. It's because we all deal with issues in our life. Uh, every one of you here tonight have a battle. Every single one. There's not one person in this room tonight that doesn't have some sort of a battle that you fight. Uh, maybe it's pride. Uh, maybe it's anger. Uh, maybe it's lust. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Uh, maybe it's some thoughts in your life or some words or some actions. Uh, there's a battle that you fight, and every person here fights a battle of some sort. And through the Lord's Supper, we are exhorted to allow the Holy Spirit of God to search us. And when he reveals sin, that sin is to be confessed. We're to ask his forgiveness, but we're also to seek his power in overcoming that sin. I'm thankful tonight that he not only has the power to forgive that sin, but he has the power to cleanse that sin, and he has the power to change the life tonight. He has the ability to do what we cannot do this evening. He wants us with the Lord's Supper to continue or simply come before him in honesty. He already knows our frailty. He knows every corner of your life. 
There's nothing hidden from him. He knows your thought to far off. He knows your uprising, your downsitting. He knows where you go. He knows where you are. He knows every detail of your life. And he simply wants us to come to him and to tell him where we struggle, to tell him where we failed, to seek his power, to seek his help. And as First Peter expressed, to cast all of our care upon him. Uh, there's the look back where we remember there's the look within that should turn us to the Lord Jesus Christ because the look within shows us our unworthiness and it points us to him who's worthy. Uh, now I want you to look at a thought here back in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, there's a look around, a look around. Uh, notice a statement here at the end of verse number 29. And it reads, He that eateth and drinketh unworthily Eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, but this little statement becomes very important, not discerning the Lord's body. I believe there's a double meaning here. Uh, when we think about the Lord's body, of course, we know of the Lord's sacrifice, and we're remembering the body that was broken and the blood with, that was shed. But I think we could also find, as we look in the context of this, the Lord's body uh, could refer to the local church. And as you look through the book of 1 Corinthians, I'm going to show you some scriptures. There were some issues within this local church in Corinth. Uh, we would not uh, probably name a church Corinth Baptist, though I have heard of that name before. But often when you think of a fleshly church or a church that's really struggling, you think of the church of Corinth. This church had a lot of, lot of issues, a lot of problems within it. I want to just show you some of the problems. If you go back with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and, and I'm not going to give you all the problems, but just going to show you a few of these and show you how they relate to the Lord's Supper and how we are to take this look around. 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 1, Paul writes, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. So he's speaking not to really a spiritual group of people, but to a carnal group of people, even as to babes in Christ. Paul said, I have fed you with milk, not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal. And then notice the statement. He says, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? And then uh, Paul discusses some of the division that had taken place within this local church. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 1. There was uh, some blatant sin that was within the church in verse 1. Uh, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. In other words, he's saying there's some sin being reported in your midst that really would even put to shame the Gentiles. He says that one should have his father's wife. And then he goes on in verse number four. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And it seems evident there's a man that was living in sin, uh, unmarried, in fornication. And the Lord says to this church, deliver such an one to Satan. Now, why is that? 
And I believe that the reason being is that the flesh might be destroyed. In other words, that it might bring about repentance. And evidently, this man had been confronted. He had been unwilling to repent, unwilling to make this right. And he continued on in that sin. And so this man would face the discipline of the church. In verse number 6, your glorying, he said to this church, is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And then move on to verse number 11. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, notice the statement, with such an one know not to eat. Now, as you study the life of this church at Corinth, it seems evident that they obeyed the exhortation of Paul. This man was dealt with. And I believe, uh, according to 2 Corinthians, there was repentance. And now Paul says, restore him to fellowship. That's the purpose of discipline. It's to restore to fellowship. It's to help one to come and to begin to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's another issue that this church was facing. He says, dare any of you, and, and let me make it clear that we're talking about the context here of a local church. He says, dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world, and if the world shall be judged by you, you are unworthy to judge the smallest matters. Know you not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? And you read through this chapter, go to verse 6. He said, but brother, go to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. It seems evident within this local church uh, that there were some lawsuits that were taking place, and there were members of the church that were suing other members of the church and taking it to the lost court. And God said, that, that ought not be. Now, therefore, verse 7, there is utterly a fault among you because you go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? I read the testimony of, of uh, uh, Letourneau, uh, who had a business many, many years ago, and it's just an amazing story. And uh, there's one of the church members, a man within his church, and they had uh, uh, done together a, a certain job, and uh, the, the other gentleman backed out, and it cost Letourneau a lot of money. And uh, it was amazing just to read the testimony that he kind of ate that because he did not want the reputation of his church to be at stake. And so Paul's writing to this local church here in Corinth and the importance of their testimony before a lost world. And I make this clear that the context is within the local church, because I understand that of the world there are different issues and things that we deal with. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 10. Here's another issue within this local church. For if any man see thee which hast knowledge sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And uh, here the Bible is speaking of some within the church understanding an idol was nothing, and uh, they were willing to eat this meat that had been offered to idols, knowing that an idol is simply a dead god. There's one god, but here was the problem. 
There were weaker Christians that observed them to do that. And he says, through thy knowledge, in verse number 11, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. And let me just state there, I think you could find very clearly in this context a a statement against the drinking of alcohol because one out of 11 social drinkers becomes an alcoholic. And I believe that uh, this becomes an issue and uh, we can uh, offend a weak brother if we're not cautious in this. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 18. 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 18. Uh, he says, for first of all, when you come together in the church, he's speaking to the local church, I hear that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 20. 1 Corinthians 12 verse number 20. He says, now, they, now are there many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Every part of the local church is important. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable upon these, we bestow more abundant honor and are uncommonly parts of more abundant comeliness. And you'll look at verse 25. He says that there should be no schism in the body, speaking of the local church, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he kind of sums it up through the law of love. And he said that uh, charity never faileth. Whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. And he's speaking, again, in the context of the local church, the importance of love, the importance of of charity. Now, as you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I think this helps us to understand a little bit of this look around. He says, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh, in verse 29, damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. The local church is important to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the context of the local church, we need to ask ourselves some questions. Have I wronged a brother in Christ or sister in Christ? And the Bible says, if I bring my gift to the altar and there I remember that my brother hath ought against me, I'm to leave the gift at the altar, I'm to go my way, and I'm to first be reconciled to my brother. See, that's to discern the Lord's body. Has a brother wronged me? The Bible says, if a brother has wronged me, that I'm not to broadcast that, but uh, I'm to go to him and I'm to share with him his fault between me and him alone. And if he refuses to hear that, then I am to take another spiritual brother, and I ought to do so in humility and in fasting, and then we are to deal with the situation, and if that doesn't work, then it should be brought to the local church. And that's the teaching in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, do I need to forgive somebody? Uh, the Bible tells me if I have aught in my heart against another, I need to be willing to forgive. And we pray in the model prayer, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And the Bible says, if we forgive not men their trespasses, neither will our Father, which is in heaven, forgive our trespasses. But if we forgive men their trespasses, then our Father, which is in heaven, will forgive our trespasses. And so we ought to ask these questions. And the Lord's Supper is a time to look around and to discern the body 
and the importance of the local church to the Lord. You know, let me just make this statement. Uh, local church doesn't belong to any of us. Valley Bible Baptist is not my church. I didn't die for this church. It's the Lord's church. He's the one that shed his blood. He's the one that purchased the church with his blood. Every one of us, me included, are a part of this local church that is Jesus, belongs to Jesus. He's the head of the church. And we discern that body, the church, is crucial and important to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the look around within the local church. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Give you one last thought here tonight. The girls sang about this tonight. If you look in verse number 26, there's the look up. In verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. And this is so important till he come. Now we have a promise tonight. And as we come together for the Lord's Supper, we have a very clear promise. Jesus expressed, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus promised, I will come again. He's coming back. And as we meet together to observe the Lord's Supper, we're remembering that promise that the Lord has given unto us, I will come again. And as often as we do this, we do show the Lord's death until he come. And could it be this will be our last Lord's Supper as a church before the Lord calls us and says, as he did John the Apostle, come up hither? Could it be? I know not. Uh, we know not when he comes, but we are to remember and take this look up in preparation for the Lord's return. I'd like you to go back to Matthew chapter 28 for just a moment. You see, we have a promise that the Lord is coming again and as we await that promise, we have a purpose. And in Matthew chapter 28, here the Lord gave his commission to his local church. And notice in this commission, as you look toward the end of this chapter, in verse number 18, as Jesus speaks to his disciples, he says, Jesus came, spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. Here's the ordinance of baptism that is given to the local church. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, but notice the statement, even unto the end of the world. And so we have the promise that he's coming back again. And while we await that promise, we have a purpose. And the Lord says our purpose is this commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we have his presence in the midst of that promise as we obey his commission, his command to us. And that is the purpose he's given to us. And so we're to be involved in that purpose until the Lord returns. Now, one last thought. We have a promise. He's coming back again. While we await that promise, we have a purpose, but we are to be prepared. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, we have the rapture that is pictured for us, where the trumpet sounds and the Lord comes. And in the context of the rapture, as we await the Lord's return, we are to be prepared. Notice in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, verse number 1. He writes, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, say people he's speaking to, 
you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord is the time of the tribulation, but that day comes as a thief in the night. And why so? Because the rapture takes place as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, and travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, he's speaking to save people, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're not to be caught unaware or on alert. You're all the children of the light, the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunk in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, for in helmet the hope of salvation. And I like verse number 9. For God had not appointed us to wrath, and that wrath would speak of the time of the tribulation. God had not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is our preparation for the return of the Lord. When we come together on Tuesday night, as often as you do this, you do show the Lord's death until he return. So we are looking to his promise. We have the purpose of fulfilling his commission. and We are to walk in a life of preparation. The Lord's Supper, do you understand this, helps you to prepare for the return of Jesus Christ. That's why we need it. You see, we tend to wonder, how many of you would say, don't raise your hand, my hand is raised, but uh, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. How often we do that. So we need this time together where we come together and allow our heart to be searched. We look back, and as we look back, we remember. We do this in remembrance of him. We take the look within, let him in examine himself and as we examine ourselves, we see how unworthy we are but we are worthy through him and his shed blood uh, we take a look around we are to discern the local body am i right with my brother and sister in christ and that was the message he gave to this church at corinth and as we observe the lord's supper uh, i look up and we do so as often as we do it till the lord we show the lord's death Till he come back. And so as we come together Tuesday night, all of these aspects will be involved in our heart. A look back, a look within, a look around, and a look up as we observe the Lord's Supper Tuesday night. With that, let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Father, thank you.